Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Yaron, the CTO of Deal, and they discuss how Deal simplifies hiring remote workers internationally, tips for managing hyperscale, and how to properly align incentives with your employees' motivations. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. is the Modern CTO Podcast. Where are you calling in from today? So I'm nearby Tel Aviv in Israel. Oh, very cool. Emerging tech. Well, I wouldn't say it's emerging anymore. It's like a massive technology scene now, right? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's all over the place. You see startups and corporates and everybody's doing something or developing something startup nation isn't it absolutely and then is this is this where deal was founded at i don't think so i think they started like in the states actually like almost like uh, three uh three years ago even, even before covid oh uh, very cool yeah but for sure covid showed you know showed the world that you can hire amazing talent everywhere and have amazing teams and you know, exactly like prove the things that we're doing here. Yeah, well then now that you can hire talent everywhere, you need companies like Deal, <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. But Deal by itself, you know, we are like practicing what we preach. Everybody in Deal is working remotely from home, like me. Everybody in Deal is, by the way, getting paid through Deal, which is like using your own product. It's kind of awesome, you must admit. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I have like, um, at least in engineering, I have like people from at least 15 different states all over the world. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. One of the first things I was interested in, uh, at first when the production team like pitched all of this and I saw the episode, I was like, oh, okay, this is a, this is a payroll system. Um, I, I know, uh, Eddie over at Gusto, right. And they're, they're a payroll company. And so I was pretty familiar with some of the modern payroll companies, but then I was, you know, diving deep into your company and you're not just a payroll provider. You're like specifically a payroll for provider for like people who want to hire in other countries, which is incredibly a difficult thing to do. I'm an entrepreneur. This is my fourth business. And it's always so, you know, luckily I've, my businesses have been small enough to where like, I'm kind of, you know, doing it on the edge of compliance. Right. But if you want to actually scale something legitimately, it's a huge pain in the butt to, to hire people overseas. And you guys have solved that. Is that correct? This is exactly correct. And you should come to deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, putting it in short, okay, I've experienced myself, you know, deal for me is like my uh, fourth startup already. And at the beginning, I had to recruit like only people in Israel, and then only people in San Francisco. And it's like an amazing challenge, but there's so much talent all over the place, all over the, um, you know, the planet. And each time I'm meeting new people, it's amazing to see all the amazing people and talent there is out there, why not use it? You can form amazing companies all over the world. And uh, I really believe that deal is the future of work. We are the enabler for that. So uh, we'll take all the, all the burden of, okay, how do I contract someone uh, who is not in my country? How do I onboard him? How do I pay him? How do I invoice? All that stuff 
I think that we can offer an amazing user experience around that and really offer you to like focus on your stuff, focus on your business and not on the, all the plumbing around. And so you do, you support international contractors and international full-time employees. Can you help me understand like what's what yeah, the difference? Exactly. There? So you yeah, so there's exactly like uh, two main lines of business. One of them is more a classic like a client contractor. For example, let's say that I want to I have a small company in Israel and I want to hire the amazing Adam in the States, okay? So I have like uh, two main challenges. One of them is how do I pay you like you want in terms of which currency, uh, which payment method, right? So it could be, of course, bank transfer. But also cool stuff like Stripe, PayPal, Pioneer, Revolut, even Coinbase, like crypto, okay? The second is how to do it compliantly because contract from someone from the States is very different from someone in Spain or Russia or Israel and so on. So indeed, we have automated all this. We have a large legal department and we have fully automated uh, like the contract creation. I can really, within a couple of minutes, create a fully binding contract for us too, I input the rates, I input the start dates, I send it online, I, date inv- I then invite you to cosign, click the link there, you hop on deal this time as contractor or freelancer, we call it, okay? Uh, you look at the contract, and if everything is cool over there, uh, you go ahead and sign it. On payday, the only thing that I have to do as a client is click one button like pay, then deal automatically take funds from my payment method, which I've defined when I set up my account, according to our contract. Uh, We put it on your account on deal. We notify you, hey, Adam, you've been paid. You hop on deal, this time as the contractor, and you click one button withdraw, and funds are moved to wherever you rank them. Now, this is quite simple, and it's one-to-one, right? But what if I have 20 contractors, or 50, or 500 contractors in different countries, Currency is payment method, and you pay them all with one pay now button. This is like an amazing time server and make the experience like seamless. So this is this is one like a very classic or common like line of business client and contractor. Uh, if I want to hire an FTE full time em- em- employee, uh, sometimes I may face another challenge. Like in that country, I must have a local subsidiary in order to hire the guy. Okay. Now, this for many companies, this is already like a showstopper. How do I set up a subsidiary? Everything is too complicated. I don't know how to do it. I don't have time for this. So Deal is doing it for you. We are actually creating Deal subsidiaries in any country that we are interested in expanding on. And we simply say, you, hey, if you want to hire a full-time employee, hire it through Deal. Deal is the employee on record, or in short, EOR, Okay. But, and then all the experience in seamlessly between the clients and the full-time employee. We, of course, take some commission on that. This is how we make our money. But for, for, for the hiring uh, company, it's, it's completely seamless and they can simply expand to whichever country they support. And it's over like 60 countries today. So again, everything you need to, to make like remote hiring as easy as hiring your neighbor next door. That's pretty cool. That's exciting for me, and it is. Uh, it is. I'm fresh. I'm actually a little angry at you because <laughs> where were you ten years ago, man? <laughs> I don't know. I, I really believe this is the future of work. Come on, it's it's 
I don't know. It's uh, I, I, I'm talking to you and I'm explaining it. And I'm getting like hyped myself. It's you should really try. They're amazing. It's so smooth, so straightforward. Like so, I really think that we are doing something good. I really think that we are, um, you know, connecting people, connecting talent, um, enable companies to scale out fast across places and and. Uh, No, each time we have like a whole, all hands and I see like small rectangles of people all over the world. This is like one team and it's, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. Are you growing fast? Even as we speak, I recruited two more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking, but am I joking? I'm not so sure. So they're growing amazingly fast. I don't know. It's like 20% a month, every month for like the past two years. And, uh, Deal itself, I think when I started, it's not even two years. Uh, deal was like 15 people. Now it's like over 600 and we'll get to one soon. Engineering team, it was like three people. Now it's over 80. So yes, I think that the main, one of the main challenges is of course, like serving the needs, doing the scale, both on technology side, people side, culture side. But this is where all the fun kicks in, at least for me. Now, can you give me a little bit of your background? Uh, are you the founder? You said you, I think you were, were you a part of other startups or did you found them? Tell me about your history. So it's quite interesting. Uh, I've, I've been in the high tech industry. I've been like about 30 years already. I have quite a few years of experience in big American corporates like Amdocs or Applied Materials. But actually, I'm much more of a startup guy, and, and, and Dill is like my fourth, fourth startup already. And I've been doing startups in all kinds of uh, um, different technologies. I was never like a founder. I was always like joining like the first engineer or number three or four, uh, which is interesting. But I had uh, the good fortune to see like at least uh, two startups from the day one when you buy pencils until they were like either acquired or merged. Just a quick talk, I was, the first one was called Sig Value. He did like real-time billing for cellular carriers. I've been joining there like, I think that was employee number three or two. I was there until uh, seven years later, it was acquired by Amdocs. This is how I got into Amdocs, huge American corporate. And I told them, look guys, I have to be here like one year for, because this is like a, so I can get my uh, my stock options and so on. But you won't see me here after one year and one day. Turns out I've been there like eight years. I, I can explain that, that you know, um, first of all, they did it smart. So we still were kind of startup within a big uh, corporate and they gave us resources. We grew, business grew. You are growing also as a, you know, as an engineer. So you start managing teams, then teams, then director. Uh, I think it was an amazing ride, at least for me. And uh Eventually, like I said, okay, I need to leave it. I must go back to the startup mentality. I really like doing stuff now and see it live. Okay, so much more of a startup guy. After that, I went into a, a, a startup uh, called Jeffro, Jeffro IO. We did uh, BI optimizations over Hadoop. Hadoop was the next big thing at that time, which proved to be untrue as, as the cloud went in. I then went to zero.us, uh, which we're doing like, did the like energy optimizations for manufacturing, mostly in San Francisco, by the way. So I've been there like, in all those companies, I was building like teams from scratch and usually products from scratch, which, which I love to do. And I've been there like uh, 
around two years, and then uh, some recruiter told me, hey, you need to speak with uh, Alex from Deal. And I told him, no, I'm not interested. I'm perfectly fine where I am. And a week later said, hey, you need to really speak with that Alex from Deal. And I told him, I'm not going to speak with him. I'm, I, I built a product from scratch. I had the team from scratch. And a week later, I was in Deal. <laughs> It's a true story. I, I think that... Um, It was a combination of things. First of all, after two years, I already like the, saw the, 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 the product like already forming up. It was already stable, but also quite stagnating. I didn't see like business booming as we thought. But to be honest, the moment I had a talk with Alex and, and it took me like 30 seconds to understand the ideas and it was like a lightning struck and uh, I gave him a few hard time to convince me, but uh, he had me like within five minutes already. I love it. It's so exciting. I'm just like, for me, when I think about your company, I mean, I think it'll be a cool day when you have your first employees from like Mars, you know, like people that are um, <laughs> like, then you'll be an interplanetary payroll system. That would be pretty cool. Let me start by taking like amazing talent from, from all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people... Even engineering, I, I can, I kid you not. Okay, now those 80 people are from... Are you ready? So they are, let me give you a list. It's like now. So there are people from Israel, Ukraine, Brazil, Mexico, Russia, UK, Colombia, Germany, Turkey, Argentina, Belarus, Bosnia, Hungary, India, Nigeria, Paraguay, Peru, Poland, Spain. One team. Works beautiful. It's slightly stressful to hear all of those because because <laughs> in the because for me like as a business owner I just am imagining all the compliance because I'm I'm getting used to not not to love on your product too much but I'm having to learn how to think about the fact that you can just do it without a bunch of difficulty because um, otherwise you would have to open up you know subsidiaries in a lot of those countries you would have to have a legal team and an HR team that would understand the specific laws and taxes and 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 it's a you know, it's a difficult thing to do. And so, you know, I think Bez Jeff Bezos says that he invests in products that like change people's lives. And I'd say this is one of those interesting products that will actually change the life of an entrepreneur. So, you know, I don't see these all the time. I, you know, I see a lot of small, like tiny improvements, but I think this is a massive improvement opening up the entire uh, global workforce. So good job. And I also want to talk a little bit about your past too. So um, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs, I see a lot of long-term engineering executives, but your path is one of my favorite paths as, oh, you know, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of rare, but looking back on it, I had the opportunity to, to, to take a path like that. But what I see is that, you know, you joining by an early employee, like being like, you know, two or three you have a, you have, you have slightly less or you have less risk than being an entrepreneur and founding the company, but you have enormous upside. So I was reading this study of how people become wealthy and you could take all the wealthy people and you can divide them into three groups. The people who save like have normal jobs and they save and invest long-term entrepreneurs and then executives at companies that, you know, get in early or grow with the organization. And so I, I think that's a under discussed, uh, it's not talked about as much and it's a super intelligent strategy to just be early because you're having to understand 
the landscape and make investments deciding where you're going to work. And that's a skill of itself. Like you deciding where you're going to spend your time is affects, you know, your career. So you've had good vision as far as, you know, that goes with pairing with companies that are going places. So I think that's pretty cool. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So uh, I can say about this, I think it's something, it's more of a personal thing. So I've always been like a, a more people person. I've always like, uh, as an engineer, been more like front-end oriented, more working with people and experience and less on, on the back-end side in architecture. Uh, but also this means that I have like less patience as I want. I want to code something and I want to see it like now. Okay, so I have no... Uh, patience to do like let's have a big uh, uh, version release it once a quarter let's see how it goes this will kill me okay i want to like code something now and test it if it's cool let's ship it and tomorrow again and again and again i'm, I'm a real believer you know of, of uh, sending small chunks of value to customer very small ones but all the time so like a very very rapid like evolution but no revolution okay so Release every day, release three times a day. So this way is a bug fix. And then we had a button and a level over here, but do it like all the time. So um, I think that this, this is both like giving amazing experience to our customers because they see all the tough uh, stuff coming. The response time for them is amazingly quick. We invest a lot of that in dealing customer support. And also, even if you have an issue, so how much has changed from yesterday a few hours ago it's very easy to fix course and, and move ahead we almost never had to roll back anything so this is this is something that really helped me a lot on on that course so usually when i hear something i hear some entrepreneur comes with an idea i already start building it in my mind and i can say hey let's take some database and some serverless and front it in react on that and we can could build something very fast so why not Yes, I, I want to. I I consider you to have a, a lot of experience and scaling based off of your your history, and so I'm curious, you know, if you were to mentor a startup that let's say they had 50 people and they were growing relatively quickly, what sort of advice would you give them? Well, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I can tell you that I like. I think that I have personally recruited at least 250 people myself during the years. I can, I can tell you if someone is a good fit for a position in like five minutes, to be honest. And I'm quite good with that. Uh, I think that when you know when you hire people, there is like at least my three golden rules. It's like you need to hire like smart people who, who care and can deliver. Let, let me expand on that, okay? If the people that you hire are not smart, they won't be able to, to produce the value that you want, okay? If you have a smart guy, super smart engineer, but he doesn't care about customer satisfaction, doesn't care about quality, doesn't care to see stuff out, it won't work. And eventually, I had guys that have that, but didn't strive to, to uh, see the thing that being shipped. Many times, the devil is in the details, so you need to have both the backend the database and the deployment and the front-end all tied together and deliver. So it takes a certain kind of engineer and the guy that can really push and take all of people together and, and, and balance and uh, 
So that's that's about the principles. If you need to scale from five to hundred or to five hundred, it's a different story. Eventually, I think that uh, you know every one of us is working with between five to six person a day every day. So this is like normal. So if you have twenty five people, so you're working with five. Each of them should work with their five and so on. So you need to like grow the teams and then scale them to split the teams or take them to another level and so on. Always the secret sauce is balance, okay? Uh, not to get like too many um, backends or frontends, have um, enough uh, managers, but not too many managers because the team eventually needs to work and deploy. It is also as you go and hire more and more people, the next hire becomes much more difficult because you're not only um, thinking about his, his technical skills or soft skills or human skills, you already know in which team he's going to join, right? So you need to think about, will he like have good chemistry with the people in the team? Eventually, you are all people. So it's, it's, a, a, and it's even more so when you, the people itself are from, from different countries with different mentalities. So that's, that, that, that's amazing stuff, even different time zones. So this is all kinds of like uh, new challenges that you have when the team is like fully remote, fully uh, scanned across the world. So this is like one of the, something that I like to do the most is not just finding a good candidate to join the team, but which team? What will be like a good good place to, to put the new uh, the newcomer? Will he evolve as engineer, as manager, as team lead? What career path I see for him like a, a year from now, two years from now? It's one thing to hire. It's much more difficult to keep, uh, you know, your your team like uh, happy and growing and evolving. All right, I want to dig into that a little bit. So, you're experienced. You know, like this is fourth company. You've done this a lot. You've hired, recruited over 250 people, and right now we're working on a book, like a technology management leadership book. And one of the questions, like I'm working with a ghostwriter, he, he's really great, but he, we, you know, we meet every week and we talk about different topics. And last week we were talking about hiring and like recruiting people. And of course, if you're talking about hiring, you're talking about firing as well. Right. And in order to get that experience, you have to, like a child, you're learning how to walk, you fall down, you make mistakes, you hire the wrong person, you have to let them go. And at first, I've never met anybody who who said, oh yeah, the first you know 10 people I fired was super easy, I loved it, I could do it again, right? It, it's a difficult thing to do. And so I was curious, if you had to go back to your past self and those first five or 10 people you had to let go, what sort of advice would you give give yourself? To do it earlier, you know, especially in those days, I was the one like recruiting them. So I eventually signed off on each and every one. By the way, till this day, no matter where I'm recruiting, I'm always seeing him last. I always want to see at least the scale we are. I'm not sure what will happen next year. Always want to, to meet and have good talk with the candidate before he joins. But, you know, uh, looking at the younger me, so you see quite fast that it is not working as expected. The guy is not performing well. Uh, um, he's in the team. Everybody there is doing great, but you try to do some better net and it's not working. I think it's quite natural, or, or at least it was for me to try again and again. So we did better net and we defined KPIs and so on. Uh, but eventually I noticed like most of the work was on me. I was like uh, 
metering if 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 that person is getting better or not and i had a lot of talks on that and eventually i had to cut it off much earlier okay because especially in high growth company if someone is not helping you he's dragging you down is it simple as that okay it's not a big corporates when you can go chill and something else when you're like in high growth company or like you're running and sometimes you're running fast okay it's like the joke but in teams and in, especially in high growth companies the teams are relatively small so it's the team will feel very fast if someone is not performing well and not only that it will also impact the team my advice to the younger me okay don't be afraid to to admit that you were wrong that hiring was bad try to do some betterment because sometimes it does work the guy understand again what are the expectations and so on but if it's not working it's better to part ways and uh, as painful as it is and and recruit a, another member to the team and after like for me after about like the first 20 or 25 times of of having to to go through this process right and realizing i i, I I like what you're saying because I'm agreeing with it. I'm like, yep, yep, I've experienced this. But I'm curious to know if you've had this situation. So have you ever, you know, you've taken the perspective that it's just not the fit for them. You almost feel bad because you failed to identify it, right? You're like, I let you down because I didn't, you know, correctly match you with this. And now, now I have to let you go. Um, and, and of course, you get you get better and better at that. But have you ever you know, ha- let someone go for some reason, like maybe they're, you know, too chill, too many bugs, bad performance, and they'll come back and thank you later because it was like a wake-up call. Have you ever had that happen? I had. I had in the previous company, I was like bringing a team lead uh, to, to form a team. We had worked before. He's an amazing guy, amazing attitude. All that was there. And we started growing. So we recruited people to the team and, and the, st- the team started delivering. But it was never there. The quality wasn't there. Pace uh, was really slow, okay? And it it was all because of the team lead, okay? He wasn't, like, uh, putting right priorities. He wasn't pushing the the team where it was needed. And where he pushed, they were, like, already too stressed out and so on. And, you know, I had so good relationship with him, so I really didn't want to see it. But eventually I had, like, uh, also, wake up call from, from from management as well, and I I had to go ahead and let him go. It was quite a difficult talk, by the way, uh, because it was key position in the company. And uh, but I think that I I've learned a lot from it. Also, who am I hiring? What am I looking? But still, having said that, it may very well be that where you have like a company of five people, the what the ones that you hire from the beginning will not be good candidates when you're growing from small startup to medium size to medium company, okay? That engineer, that team lead has to grow as well as a manager, as an engineer, as a person. Not everyone can do that, although you try hard and, and, and think hard. So this is something that as, as a manager, as, as I have to like every day inspect that this is happening I give praises when it's done correctly. And, and when I see things that are not okay, I need to like uh, roll my sleeve and dive in. And it's never easy. It's never easy. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Um, how It's like once you get great people and you have them on board, right? And let's say they do have the mindset that they want to grow because one of the mistakes that I made 
many times before I figured it out was I assumed people were like me. You know, it's something we do as humans, like our default state is we assume people are like us and I, I want to grow. I want to get to the top. I want to, you know, do great things and push the limits and all of that. And some people don't. And so I found that I was pushing people who just wanted to do work, just like routine work and just have their life and do, I was trying to push them into, you know, be like, excite them with being like, Oh, you know, when the company grows, you're going to have a team and all of this. And I found out it was like really stressing them out. So then I learned how to, you know, understand who the person is and what drives them in life and then make sure I build something around them. That's, you know, also beneficial to the company. And that's how you can tell alignment, right? Like, here's what I need. Here's what you want. If they align, it's magic. If they don't, it, it just doesn't work. But once you have great people, and those great people are growing and the company is growing. Everybody loves, you know, I found great people love to work with great people. So that's one way that you keep people around, but great people also love money. So I'm curious, how do you do incentive structures to keep these high performance people around? So it's a, uh, it's a combination of two things. First of all, uh, I strongly believe in stock options, uh, because first of all, they bind the, the employee to the success of the company. Right, so it's it's a long term beneficial, uh, and second, of course, if the company is doing great, the value of that stock options could be really life changing for many of the employees. So they are like essentially getting a part of the companies, even if it's like with an options, and I find it to be like a great uh, uh, incentive. Second of all, there is no way around it. Okay, you keep need to keep all the time the look of what is happening on the market, what people are making. And have a look what what your people in the team are doing. And if you need to do like a, at least every six months, and once a year, you must have like one on one meeting with the guys and reviews. If and if needed, like doing a raise. I I also like try a lot, to, you know, to give good words and 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 good feedback on stuff you're doing. Usually, when we work a lot, it's it's very easy to say, okay, it's very easy to point up what didn't go well. You didn't. I catch that bug. That was not good quality and so on. But we sometimes neglect to do the other way around and give good words or some bonuses for like really complex project uh, being made. So if we have that, uh, I'm also doing stuff like that. So like one-time bonuses and so on. Uh, I found that uh, we need to have like at least two times a year, have like one-on-one -on -one reviews with anyone in the team at least once a year, this also uh, will include like a salary review. And if you're good, salary will usually go up. But this this uh, this way, usually the team knows that it's coming. It's coming. Uh, uh, they know when to expect it and so on. Because, again, it's a culture thing. I had like, a, for example, a, a location where one of the programmers say, uh, out of the blue, okay, I don't want to say from which country, but out of the blue, okay, I got another uh, offer. I'm leaving. It's not even that he like came and say, look, I think that I should be like getting more. Is there anything that we can do? And he was amazing. And I told him, hey, Joe, why did it like you come to me earlier and so on? So he said, okay, I, I didn't know that I was able to do so. I didn't think, I think that this is how things are being done. Okay. And it, it's very different from different um, companies. So we made peace. I explained it. Joe was amazing. And he stayed with us till this day. No problem, brother. But it learned me a lot, okay? So usually I'm the one that like doing that more proactively, even before the time and so on. 
but also you need to feel the pulse, what is going on in the industry. And it's also different from different countries. I think the challenge in deal is greater in that aspect because guys in same guys with same experience in Ukraine, it's very different from the guy in UK or the States or in Spain. Okay, so and they work together on the same team sometimes. Even though there is differences in, in cost of living in different countries, you still want to have you know the team salaries more or less in same regions. I find it extremely important. And, and I'm swimming out, so I will always try to, you know, uh, if someone is uh, from a country with uh, the cost of living there is, is lower, I will try to raise him so the team will be more or less balanced, more or less on the same level and so on. Yes, I, well, I liked when you were talking about the, the variances or the differences in work culture across uh, countries. It's, it's so different, it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I've worked on teams that will, um, like I've been a part of projects where, you know, companies merging multiple, uh, different companies are merging together and like an acquisition style company and they're pulling people from, you know, Israel, Spain, India, and, and now all of these people have to work together. And it's not that they don't like each other. It's just, they all have very different routines of how they work. And now you have to get these people to work together. And it's just so fascinating to me because like, I don't think anything's good or bad necessarily. It's just different and understanding how to work with the differences and figuring out how to create situations where people can come together exactly. and bond. That's a hard thing to do, but it's, it's fun when you get it. I can tell you that at least for me, when I'm like first talking for like with a candidate, I'm looking for energy. I'm looking for uh, uh, optimism. I'm looking for a sense of humor. I won't hire someone without a sense of humor. Actually, like, uh, I didn't do it in deal, but in previous companies, like my first sentence to a candidate is, hi, please tell me a joke. First sentence. And I, like you see, some of them like really burst in laugh or stuff like that. Some of them were like uh, stuck. What's that crazy guy wants from me and so on. So that's about that. But again, if you know, if you have the energy and you have the optimism, sense of humor and like, you're hyped. You, you must be hyped on, on the company. You can't come to a place like Deal uh, if you're not like, uh, wow, that idea is amazing. Let, let, let's change it, okay? It makes things so much easier because eventually you all, you all want the same goal for the company. You all want the same goals uh, as engineer. Uh, in Deal, you can be like super impactful, okay? Uh, we hadn't talked technology, but it is really a place when you can write something in the morning, and QA verified at noon, and by the evening, it's live for thousands of thousands of people. For most engineers, this is like, uh, you know, something amazing. I always, I always wanted to work in companies like that, and I will always try to keep it coming. And technology today allows it to do it quite easily. So, I, I want to tell you my favorite joke. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Let's see if you're fit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why was the... <laughs> Why was the baby strawberry? You can't laugh from your own joke. <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm that person. All right. Here we go. Why was the baby strawberry sad? Okay. Why? Its mom was in a jam. Oh, that's, a, that's a dad joke. That's a dad oh, joke. Oh, I'm a dad. Yeah, that's a dad joke. <laughs> I have to have jokes that are okay with the kids. <laughs> okay. You can go, uh, hey, dad. Hi, dad. I'm hungry. And you can go, hi, hungry. I'm dead. <laughs> I like that that's one. An equal, that's yeah. an equally bad, bad joke. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Are you a dad, by the way? Yeah, I'm a dad. I have like uh, three kids, not so much of the kids. So I have two boys, 24, 21, and I have a girl, she's 17. My smallest kid is already driving. Not me. I have a daughter who's four, <laughs> a son who's uh, turning three this week, and then uh, a, Amazing. A new, another one on the way. We don't know. We're going to wait. On the first two, we found out what, what the gender was and everything before they were born, but the third one, we're like, yeah, let's just wait. We'll be surprised. I envy you. I envy you. I would love to have another toddler running around the house. Uh, <laughs> if you were in my I... house last night, you'd be like, okay, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> No, no, I'm sure I, I had it all before, but it's cool. I'm always joking. I'm still telling my daughter, go ahead and sort out your rooms. What's that mess? And that one is already like driving in the street with a car. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so I, I want to know how has how has being a father like have you been able to take lessons from raising your kids and have those helped you at work? I, I think it's a. Uh... That's a, that's a difficult uh, question. I think that the beginning, I was much, much younger. I think that I had my first one, what was like 27. And yes, I was already in a startup. At the beginning, it was quite hard because my firstborn, like, he refused to sleep at nights. <laughs> like, uh, at least like he, he haven't slept like a full night until he was like uh, one year old or something like this. So I remember like I was holding him and coding and I was like... Uh, falling asleep on the keyboard, so that was quite traumatic. The second one, second one slept uh, beautiful. I, 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 uh, I learned a lot. The first one told us a lot, as, as uh, you know, as a parent and so on. But I always like uh, felt quite comfortable. I didn't uh, see that. Okay, if I bring kids, I can't work or it will be strap. I, I, I always felt it like quite natural. Um, I love kids. I, I would do them as 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 young as I can. If I had the power, I had a fourth one. As I told you already. <laughs> yeah, for me it was seeing you know because mine are still very young, but even as early as you know age one, age one and a half, the kids are are everything's exaggerated, right? So the emotions are exaggerated. Everything's bigger, and it's like a computer, right? If I could walk into the computers of the 1980s and everything was huge, I would see all the different parts of the computer. Now they're in these thin MacBooks and you can't really see them too easily. But, you know, when, when they're bigger, they're easier to understand. And so watching these kids grow up and have these big emotions and these desires for these specific things, for me, I just picked up a lot, I guess, intangibly about how people work by watching them grow up. I think that for me, it was uh, very interesting because I have three kids. They are so different from one another they look different okay if i put a picture of them you won't uh, be able to tell that they are brothers okay and, and their and their character is so different and every one of them is like a whole complete person and it, it's amazing it's amazing for me to see how they are growing and how they are different and how each, each of them like uh has its own like expertise and like so that that, that thing was amazing for me i love it all right I I could talk about family all day, but I want to make sure that we don't forget forget deal. Um, we talked a lot, several different topics, but I'm sure you know people are excited. They like your energy. They've been hearing about deal. Can you tell us how you can find out more about a career at deal? Oh, there's a zillion opportunities about that. So first of all, 
we have on the deal career website, we have like zillion careers of deals, really a lot of career openings, companies growing all over. And I think that this year it's going to be like really, really uh, big. You can hop on letsdeal.com slash careers, just go through the website and you can see really a lot of careers over there. I think that 2022 is going to be an amazing year within deal. This is this is the year. Deal is, it's quite simple. We are going to be de facto, the company, uh, the default company to go to when you want to hire remotely. And, we, and deal is big and going to be like very big. So this is like amazing time to, to join. We have many positions open all over the place, from engineering to marketing to customer success and so on. Just browse through the website. And that's D-E-E-L, right? Let's deal.com. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Was there anything else that we wanted to make sure that we got out there today that we haven't already covered yet? Um, I think so. So I would like to uh, touch a bit on technology side. If okay. you want to know, let's say that you want to have a hyper growth company. Okay. Like my advice instead, we talked a lot about hiring. Let's talk about technology. Um, my, my two cents for, for all the entrepreneurs out there on the hyper growth one is like, you should embrace any technology that allows you to focus on what you want to achieve in your business and not to deal with you know, the plumbing and stuff going on under. That means, of course, go over to a cloud. Any managed service that you can take on, take it as a managed service. Do not try to operate it yourself because you need to place time and people around it. So... Uh, you want to run a Kubernetes cluster, so take it from AWS or Azure. Don't want to run it yourself. You're running Jira, go to manage Jira on the cloud. Don't install your own Jira and stuff like that. So we did a lot of that on, on, on deal. So whatever we took, any many service that we can took on, we use that. This allow, allowed us to really focus on the things that deal wanted to achieve, on the product itself, on growth, on scalability, and and we were able to achieve it like a relatively small amount of people. So that's that's great about that. Second, I think that if you are um, in order to be growing fast, you need to deliver fast, like have continuous integration and continuous uh, deployments implemented in your company. I'm a huge uh, DevOps fan. I've been doing DevOps even before it was called DevOps, because as I said, I always want to. Write something, I want to see it live. So DevOps is the key, right? Automation and everything. So uh, technologies like uh, CI, CD, uh, Kubernetes, everything that allows you to deploy right here, right now, anytime are critical for success of hyper growth companies. Anything else eventually will, will, will stall you up. So this is like uh, in terms of, of uh, technology. When uh, third thing is what you uh, select as the technology to write your stuff with. Should they use like Ruby, Java, JavaScript, React, Angular? So it's not only a selection of technology, but it's also a selection of people, okay? Every one of us has some sort of, of tendency or love this or that language. But you think about it when you're growing up, you need to recruit talents. And so you need to know people who know that language who are very good at it. So where do I recruit them for? What is the expected salary for those is that uh, uh, language fully supported? For example, at Deal, we love JavaScript. So by definition, we, we use JavaScript both on the backend and on the frontend because by definition, if someone 
wants to move from backend to frontend or vice versa, be my guest. Usually whatever is good for your team members is also good for you as a manager and as a leader. So this is why we, we really went with, with JavaScript, something that is easy to find great talents all over the world. You can easily move between domains like front and backend. And I see it every day. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool because then it gives them the freedom to like before you were saying, you know, people not even knowing it was an option, like employees not even knowing, you know, if they get other offers to bring them and, and talk talk to you about them. Some people will get bored and they will leave and not knowing it's an option to even join in an assignment on another team within the company to do something different. If you touch on that, another super important thing, super when the company is fully remote is like the culture, the culture for openness, the culture for transparency, okay? You are not meeting guys next to the coffee shop, right? Because they're different countries, okay? They must feel that they can talk with you about anything. And there is like zero politics. If something is bothering them, like, okay, I need to move like, uh, I want to move to another team. I want to switch from from backend to frontend and so on. They feel that they can speak about it openly and so on. So this is a culture we we uh, fully encourage with Deal. I talk to uh, you know people's like all the time, not just okay, what's the status of this and that, but how do you feel? How are we progressing? Do you feel that you all are progressing? Have you learned something new that month? Or like what what we should like what we should be like improving so on. Um, and I think that's it. it it's super important. Uh, and, and my fourth tip around that is, is as your team continues growing, you still must work with relatively very small commando-like teams. So even if you have like 100 people in engineering, you should have teams made of like six to seven people at most that can, you know, plan together and execute together and like delivering together. So go with microservices, which goes very nice with Kubernetes and all that stuff, okay? But uh, try not having huge teams because you will stuck on thinking and doing status meetings all day. I hate meetings. And I think that are like the, the really key innovation. Usually we have an important meeting. We try to have like, a, you know, one notion page or like a wiki page about what is there. What are we offering? What want to discuss? And the meeting itself is let's just decide, just discuss what is not good, what is to be changed, decide and that's it. So try to have small teams that can deliver by themselves, can move fast, and you can have like dozens of those teams. That doesn't matter. It's much better than have like huge teams. Yes, I, I love it. Yeah, I was talking with this guy uh, yesterday, actually, who they make DNA store. They store data inside of DNA, right? And wow, amazing. I, I know. And now they're making DNA-based computers, and it's just next-level, unbelievable stuff. And he was saying, you know, you could have some really large... He used to be the head of... Um, supercomputing at IBM. Uh, he said, you could either have like, you know, really large machines or uh, like, you know, and he compared them to horses. He goes, you know, you can have five horses or you can have a billion mice because they're making these super <laughs> tiny computers, but at this unbelievable scale. And uh, I was like, wow, that's actually really, really interesting. But yeah, if you have a bunch of small teams that can produce results within your organization, it's like, it's like a decentralized approach and it, uh, provides it increases your level of stability by having these teams that can produce independently. So it it, it, uh, it increases your stability. It, it increases your cadence. 
uh, it also increases your quality because you probably like build your product like in small chunks or microservices. So I can be able to deploy small stuff without affecting any other stuff. So everything is easier. The customer is happier because you ship much faster. The, the guys in the teams are happier because they see their stuff being used alive. It's a win-win-win situation. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.